Exciting things are happening at GoldenNuggetCasino.com. They already have the largest selection of online slots in the Garden State, and now players on GoldenNuggetCasino.com can play their favorite table games with the very first statewide online live dealers in the U.S. Golden Nuggets Live Dealer creates a true casino floor experience online. All of the dealers have their own unique personalities talking to you as they deal the cards. Live Dealer is broadcast live from an exclusive studio at the Golden Nugget Atlantic City and streamed directly to you, the player, on your smartphone or your laptop. And as long as you're within the New Jersey limits, you can play from wherever you happen to be or on the go. Play Blackjack, Roulette, Baccarat. All these are available seven days a week from 5 p.m. to 1 a.m. live in real time on New Jersey's most innovative online gaming site. Get started today at GoldenNuggetCasino.com and take part in the newest and most unique online gaming experience a casino can offer. Golden Nuggets Online Live Dealer. Truly the next evolution of online gaming. Must be 21 years or older. New Jersey only. Problem gambler. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You know what cheers me up? What? Rolled up aces over kings. Ladies and gentlemen... Boys and girls. The House of Cards. Today, the game is different. With author and professional poker player Ashley Adams. Okay, you have some skill. Hello, everyone. This is Ashley Adams, uh, the host of House of Cards for the next hour. We have a... Uh, Typically excellent show, in my humble and completely biased opinion. Uh, we have the guest, Bryant Simon. Bryant is the author of a new book on Atlantic City that compares it to the fate of urban America. We're going to talk to him about racism, Atlantic City, gambling, and its future. And then we're going to talk to somebody from the other end of the gambling spectrum, somebody who's starting out. He is a table game inventor. He has a great game to talk about. It's called Money Suit 31. His name is Brent Weiss, and we'll be talking to him. And, of course, we'll have a mailbag segment. So stay tuned. Two very good guests. Hey, it's Dave from House of Cards, and you know this show keeps me busy traveling around the country. Do you hear all that noise behind me? That's a casino floor in Atlantic City. Even though I'm around all this excitement, I still need a good night's sleep, and that's why I bring my pillow everywhere. Now, don't get me wrong, the hotel rooms here are very comfortable, but some of their pillows aren't the best for my back and neck. That's why my pillow is a must for me when I travel. And right now, my pillow is offering a special four for one deal. You get two my pillow premiums and two go anywhere travel pillows. All for the price of one MyPillow. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-319-7913. Click on or mention Radio Listener Special and use promo code CARDS, C-A-R-D-S, at checkout. MyPillow comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee, a 10-year warranty, and hey, you can even wash and dry it. You deserve a restful, deep, comfortable, and like me, healing night's sleep. That's the Radio Listener Special at MyPillow.com or call 800-319-7913 and use promo code CARDS. Do you have what it takes to compete against the best in the world? Find out at the 14th Annual Borgata Poker Open September 6th through the 23rd. Test your skills during two weeks of checking, raising, calling, and bluffing your way to the top spot during over 40 events. Enter to win your share of Borgata's largest poker prize pool of the year in Borgata's largest poker tournament of the year. The televised WPD Borgata Poker Open Championship starts September 18th with a $3 million guaranteed prize pool. Catch all the action of the final tables for the $2 million guaranteed deep stack kickoff, the $1 million guarantee almighty stack and the wpt borgata poker open championship in exclusive live streamed events at the borgata.com the 2016 borgata poker open at borgata in atlantic city september 6th through the 23rd satellite your way into borgata poker open events online at borgatapoker.com for tournament details and live streamed events visit the borgata.com available in new jersey only must be 21 or older gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER have you ever wanted something so bad that you do just about anything for it? Well, that's exactly how we feel about you. That's right. AdamandEve.com wants you so bad. We're giving you 10 free gifts with your first order. You heard me right. That's 10 free gifts to spice up your love life. First, you'll get a sexy surprise for her. Second, an adventurous toy for him. And third, a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus, you'll get six full-length adult movies on DVD. 
and number 10, free shipping on your entire order. That's 10 free gifts for you shy types who've never tried Adam and Eve before. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy, a sexy piece of lingerie, or anything you desire. Just enter offer code BABE16 at checkout and you'll get all 10 free gifts, including free shipping. That's offer code BABE16. That's B-A-B-E-16 at adamandeve.com. This is House of Cards Radio with Ashley Adams. Card player, gambler, scumbler, you'd like it. Welcome back, everyone. This is Ashley Adams, and you're listening to House of Cards. Those of you who have listened to this show for a while know that we like to pluck people out of all walks of life to talk about different things related to gambling. Uh, and we have somebody from that category. He is Bryant Simon, a professor of history at Temple University in Philadelphia. And he's written a book that is particularly germane to the topic of gambling. It's called Boardwalk of Dreams, Atlantic City and the Fate of Ur Urban America. Uh, I've read it. I find it fascinating, and I'm eager to talk to him. So, Bryant, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Well, welcome to House of Cards. Why don't you give our listeners a synopsis of your book and uh, you can venture into how it is you came to write it, because I know there's a very interesting backstory. Sure. I, I really came to write it um, as someone who grew up near Atlantic City, but never in Atlantic City. And kind of into my early 20s, my family, I grew up in a small town in South Jersey, like many people in this area, started gravitating towards Atlantic City a job um, in Atlantic City, met some older people who had lived in Atlantic City before gambling came, including a number of African-Americans. And I was in some ways trying to kind of reconcile two stories. One was the stories that were on the wall of the place I lived, Atlantic City in its heyday. And the story I saw kind of every day walking through Atlantic City of a city with 10, 12 casinos, yet an urban fabric all around it in decay. And I was trying to understand that tension. Okay. I think that puts your book uh, in, a, in a very interesting light. Let me see if I got out of it uh, an accurate picture. As I read the book, I read that there was a disconnect in many ways between the image that people had of Atlantic City as this place of kind of American entertainment, uh, uh, wholesomeness, uh, people all very enthusiastic of being treated like kings and queens on the broadwalk, boardwalk, uh, shuttled up and down in those wonderful chariot-like uh, wheeled vehicles, but that there was a darker message, especially for people of color who were treated very much like second-class or even third-class citizens. Is that something that you think uh, your book is getting at? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in many ways, in the heyday of Atlantic City, um, it was a Jim Crow town, like a lot of America during that period, not just in the South, but the whole country. And, um, and many, reason, many reasons people came initially were in some ways that kind of Jim Crow tension. They, wanted, it, they were people on their way up recent immigrants, second-generation immigrants who had made it in America. And part of making it in America was having black people serve them. And Atlantic City offered them that opportunity, no place better, and you mentioned it, than these rolling chairs, that people would get pushed down the boardwalk all dressed up on Saturday night by an African-American man. And But what happened in some ways in the 40s and 50s, again, something that happens everywhere else, is Atlantic City couldn't segregate anymore. The legal culture had changed, the kind of political culture had changed. And actually what, what Atlantic City suffers is white flight from two streams, one of residents and one of tourists, as it becomes integrated. And so gambling becomes the way that city leaders think about how to kind of solve this problem that they have of, of a town where no one wants to come anymore. I see. And how did they solve the problem, and how did gambling seem to solve the problem for them? Well, 
what they did was, and you have to remember, this is, this is kind of the middle of the 1970s. So gambling isn't legal anywhere in the United States other than Las Vegas. And Atlantic City decided they were going to introduce it to the East Coast. And, you know, they have to get it passed through several referendums across the state. Finally, a referendum passes in 1976 that allows casinos to open Atlantic City and says that the casinos will be, the, the quote is, a unique tool for urban renewal. And so in some ways, gambling is kind of fabulously successful in Atlantic City. I mean, literally the first day the casinos are open, people wait five hours to get in. Um, people urinate in their cups rather than give up their slot machines. But that same weekend, businesses in the city actually see nobody. And, and this is kind of um, what's going to happen in Atlantic City. The casinos are going to get rich, but the town in some ways is going to become even more impoverished. Um, and part it's the design of gambling itself, which is to kind of bring people in, take their money, offer them free drinks and food. That's hard for other businesses to compete with. And in Atlantic City, you see a sort of stark version of the kind of splendor of the casinos and the kind of deterioration of the city itself. Well, I had a question about that. I've been to Atlantic sure. City many times, and I, you, even if you are blind, you will notice the contrast between the opulence of the casinos and the destitution of the Main Street area. No question about it. Here's the question right. I always had. There's no, there's no doubt about the fact that the casinos employed thousands and thousands of people who would otherwise yep. not be working in Atlantic City. They didn't poach yep. them from thriving businesses. They flocked there to work in the casinos. And those people earned collectively hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars over the years that Atlantic City has had casino gambling. We'll be right back with more House of Cards. Labradors, Goldens are the main breeds that come through our door, but we'll train anything with four legs and a tail. My husband and I own a kennel. We train hunting dogs and also have a boarding and grooming business. Our dogs, they're athletes, and we feed a very quality food. You can't get enzymes in a commercial dog food because they cook it at such a high heat that so much important nutrition is just cooked right out of it. But adding Dynavite to their diet has... Every single dog in my kennel looking better than they have ever looked. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. Dynavite helps them obtain that better nutrition that is hard to find in commercial foods. The omega-3 fatty acids, zinc. There's flaxseed oil, the seaweed, the kelp. They don't shed as much, and they're all over very healthy dogs. We tell everybody we know about Dynavite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E. <laughs> Dynavite's the bomb. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. You're listening to the House of Cards. How lucky you are. With Ashley Adams. I'm kind of a big deal. People know me. Who the hell do you think you are? Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. We're talking to Bryant Simon, who is the author of Boardwalk of Dreams, Atlantic City and the Fate of Urban America, that links uh, the kind of broader uh, racism and uh, problems in America with what has happened in Atlantic City. Why is it that the money that they earned didn't disperse in and around Atlantic City? Or if it did, why is it invisible in the impoverished um, downtown areas of Atlantic City? That's a great question. And, you know, I mean, I think it's a fundamental riddle of what happened here. And you asked the question in an interesting way. Areas outside of Atlantic City benefited, actually, from gambling. A mall was open that never had existed here. Um, lots of housing built. Much of very little that happened in Atlantic City, and, and this is in part Atlantic City's message is kind of a message about kind of larger America. 
who benefited in the last 50 years from growth in the United States? Largely the suburbs. You know, some, some change in the last 10 years. The same story is true here in Atlantic City. So if you take a kind of regional metropolitan model, there's been some real growth. But if you take an urban model, Atlantic City has really suffered. Now, part of that has to do with taxation policies, affirmative action issues, a really complicated kind of um, set of ideas about, you know, how money was going to be distributed and how gambling riches were going to be distributed and who was going to get part of them. And part of it also is the same problem we had before, and that's a problem about race. In many ways, Atlantic City benefited, I think, from a kind of majority view that largely minority areas were places to avoid, and they avoided in terms of investment, they avoided in terms of living, and in some ways this helped the casinos. It made the casinos kind of an alternative to a scary city, a place highly protected, highly policed, and there was this kind of interesting kind of dynamic that the casinos didn't necessarily mind that the city was kind of falling apart around it because it became a kind of oasis from the city itself. Okay, fair enough. Could you talk a little more about how the de facto racism of the past kind of changed, metamorphosized into the racism of the 70s, 80s, and 90s? And I'm specifically interested in the segregation. I mean, there was de facto segregation, if not de jure segregation before, where there was a residential segregation and segregation of beaches and all that. But is there still segregation in housing and other areas? And if so, how? Well, it's not the, it's not the same as it used to be, um, where you had restricted covenants, where the federal government and the state governments literally build white and black public housing projects. I mean, that sort of segregation is gone. Um, but, you know, there are parts of Atlantic City, I'm sure, that if one of our African-American colleagues went to look for um, apartments, they would be shown different apartments than you would be shown. You can see the segregation in the city as you move around it. It is changing somewhat in an interesting way now. Um, the city is becoming more multi-ethnic. And some of the neighborhoods around the casinos um, have become... Um, Communities for recent um, Bangladeshi and Indian immigrants, Vietnamese immigrants, and they're replacing some of the old Italian neighborhoods in the city. But there's still a kind of black-white or black-other divide in Atlantic City neighborhoods that, if you look at census tracts, are 99% African-American. The schools remain um, largely African-American. People who can find other school options tend to leave the city and in many ways, the interesting thing about Atlantic City is one kind of interesting wrinkle is, I said this earlier, when the casinos came, they realized the problem of race in Atlantic City. And actually, the initial casino legislation had a very strong affirmative action plank in it. But they were also afraid of, um, Atlantic City had its own mob past, and they were afraid that the mob would try and take over the casinos. And so you couldn't get a casino license or a job in a casino if you had a felony conviction. Well, the, the problem was that was aimed at the mom, but it actually hit African-American neighborhoods who had been in kind of heavily policed areas in the 70s and 80s, and they were kind of lopped off from jobs and then thrust into a kind of secondary economy where people knew they couldn't get casino jobs, and that put real downward pressure on, on their wages. So strangely enough, unemployment goes up in Atlantic City after casinos come, and it goes up even market, even higher for African-Americans. Why did it go up? I mean, I understand why it might not go down if they couldn't get jobs in casinos, but they were either not working before or working at really substandard jobs already. Why would the unemployment rate go up? Well, in part, people who got jobs left. The uh, people, I mean, part of what happened was the people in the best position to kind of capitalize this often got the jobs. They were decent paying jobs. They invested in the housing market in the suburbs. And it kind of concentrated poverty even more intensely in Atlantic City. But it was also this affirmative action plank. And this kind of, um, there was a, you know, some people felt like there was an unwillingness to hire locals as well. The rumors went around town that um, Donald Trump, when he first came to town, rather than hire locals, imported people from Indiana. Um, and it's a good question. No one's actually done a really close study of this, though the numbers are really clear. Interestingly enough, unemployment goes up as overall employment at the casinos um, increases. Huh. Well, I had some. I mean, Atlantic City, 
Atlantic City loses 200 restaurants in the first 10 years of gambling. Ah, there you but go. 10 years after, Atlantic City doesn't have a single movie theater. It had 15. It doesn't have a supermarket <laughs> when the 10th casino goes up. Look at the Taj and then talk to us about what you see happening over the net next 10 years or so. All right. Well, you know, stories are always a little skittish making predictions, but I'll, I'll run with this. Um, I mean, to me, I obviously don't know what exactly is going to happen, but I think that, you know, one way to think about what, what might happen in Atlantic City is you might have one or two properties left on the boardwalk. I think that northern end of the boardwalk where the Taz, the showboat, and the Revel are is probably going to go dark um, and stay dark. Um, I don't know exactly what will happen with those buildings. I think probably going forward, the real center of gambling is going to be out by the Borgata and the Marina area. Um, that seems to be the most viable right now. That would also give the boardwalk and the people who run the boardwalk a chance to kind of reimagine that space. Um, so you know, maybe you're left with the Trop, Caesars, and Valleys kind of moving forward. I guess resorts maybe can stay afloat because it, you know, the guy who bought it bought it for virtually nothing. Um, but it's not a very, you know, that building seems a little long in the tooth right now. And I don't know that one of the three casinos in the northern end near, so in the, the northern end are the, um, the Taj, the Showboat and Revel can exist without the others. That part of the boardwalk already seems a little um, kind of uninhabited. And I don't know how people are going to feel about staying kind of away and also gambling away without any other, without any density on that end. So my sense is that, that the industry kind of stabilizes to maybe five casinos and Atlantic city then is in the position of kind of reimagining itself as a kind of more mixed um, use resort town with some public amenities. There's some talk about bringing a local university to the site of the old high school, just South of the old Hilton casino. I think Hmm. that's, going to be really important for Atlantic City as a kind of anchor to something else. If that doesn't happen, you know, I don't, I, I think all bets are off, except there's always going to be somebody who wants to make a big play here because beachfront property is still beachfront property. That's right. I think all bets are off is a good way to end the segment. Uh, that was Bryant Simon, who is the author of a very interesting book on Atlantic City, Boardwalk of Dreams, Atlantic City and the Fate of Urban America. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Tired of hitting the casino floor and playing the same old table games time after time? Well, there's a new and exciting table game coming to casinos, and it's called Casino Over Under. Casino Over Under combines the thrill of sports betting with the excitement of blackjack. It's easy to learn and incorporates the over-under concept of sports betting in a simple and fluid manner. Casino Over Under is undeniably faster than ordinary blackjack. There are fewer decisions to make, and all of them are fairly easy and exclusive of the other players at the table. Fewer decisions means faster gameplay, and that means more hands. And with payouts as high as 50 to 1, more hands means more winning. Head on over to CasinoOverUnder.com to learn more and stay up to date on where you can play this exciting game. You can even play Casino Over Under on your iPhone with its social app. Casino Over Under. Simple, fast, and fun. Play it now at the Magnolia Bluffs Casino Hotel in Natchez, Mississippi. And coming to casinos near you. Must be 21 years or older to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Make your game night the envy of all your friends and family. Play on a -a one-of-a-kind table. Play on a pro-caliber poker table. Pro-caliber tables are made with high-quality gaming suede and suited speed cloths. And with their table builder app, customers can create a table to accommodate any game. Select one of the in-stock designs from their site or imprint your own. And now you can get a free 600-count coin inlay chipset when you purchase a Pro Caliber poker table. Here's how. Use offer code HOCRADIO when you check out at ProCaliberPoker.com or when ordering by phone at 240-25-POKER. That's 240-257-6537. Remember, to get your free gift when ordering your poker table, use offer code HOCRADIO. That's H-O-C-R-A-D-I-O. Order by phone at 240-257-6537 or online at ProCaliberPoker.com. 
Pro Caliber Poker Tables. Stop playing around and get that table you've been looking for. Need to sell your house fast? We're Homevestors, the We Buy Ugly Houses people. You've seen our big yellow billboards with our caveman Ugg, but did you know that Homevestors is America's number one home buyer? At Homevestors, we can buy your house as is, pay you cash, and usually pay most of the closing costs, and we close fast. Call today for your no obligation consultation and get out of that ugly real estate situation. If your house needs repairs, you're ready to downsize. Tired of renters and those rental property repairs, retiring, experiencing a job transfer, inherited a property, or just need to sell your house fast. Do what thousands of satisfied Homevestor customers have done. Call Homevestors today for a no-obligation consultation at 866-I-WANT-UG. 866-I-WANT-UG. We'll close fast and pay cash. So what are you waiting for? Call Homevestors today. 866-I-WANT-UG. 866-I-WANT-UG. Hi, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. I just wanted to let you know about a newspaper in the New England area. If you're looking for poker tournaments or the latest promotions at Foxwoods, Mohegan Sun, Twin River, or if you want to find out what's happening in Las Vegas, Atlantic City, or other casinos around the country, then I recommend you check out New England Gaming News for all the latest news, events, and hot casino action from around the region. You can do that in one of two ways. You can either pick up their free copies at gambling venues throughout New England, or you can visit them at www.thenegn.com and sign up for exclusive specials and promotions. That's www.thenegn.com. The New England Gaming News, New England's only resource for complete casino and poker news. Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards, and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about Jersey Man Magazine. Whether you're born and bred in Jersey like me, or even from Jersey but live somewhere else, Jersey Man is the perfect magazine for you. Health issues, state business news, sports, food, you name it, Jersey Man talks about it in a fun and informative way. They even host their own networking events where you can meet and greet other community members and professionals. With contributors like Bill Lyon, Stan Hockman, and George Anastasia with his own mob scene column, Jersey Man covers our region like no one else. Check out their website, jerseymanmagazine.com, for more information and some really cool Jersey Man merchandise. Jersey Man's available at most major newsstands, and you can even subscribe online. That's jerseymanmagazine.com. Jersey Man Magazine. Hey, if you're from Jersey, it's the only magazine you'll ever need. Hey, this is Dave Weishadol from House of Cards with your House of Cards gaming report for the week of September 12, 2016. A six-time World Series of Poker bracelet winner has been criminally charged for writing bad checks and theft. According to the Las Vegas Review-Journal, an arrest warrant was issued last week for 51-year-old poker pro Ted Forrest for allegedly trying to pass checks at the Win Las Vegas when he lacked the money to do so. Forrest is well-known as a high-stakes cash game player and has a lifetime tournament earnings of over $6 million. The operators of the Normandy Casino have been ordered to pay a $1 million fine because they failed to report a series of large cash transactions in 2013. In January, California's oldest casino pled guilty to violating the Bank Secrecy Act and failing to maintain an effective program against money laundering. According to federal law, detailed records must be kept of any gambler who cashes out more than $10,000 at the casino. And finally, a zombie apocalypse may be coming to a casino near you. The popular mobile zombie game, Into the Dead, will soon be a skill-based game which will be hitting the Vegas casino floors in 2017. Gambling gaming creators of the game feel this is a way for casinos to attract millennials and increase profits for casinos. Hey, killing zombies for money sounds like fun. Have any news or tips regarding casinos, gaming, or legislation? Send us an email at newsroom at houseofcardsradio.com and follow us on Twitter at HOC Radio. 
Do you have what it takes to compete against the best in the world? Find out at the 14th Annual Borgata Poker Open September 6th through the 23rd. Test your skills during two weeks of checking, raising, calling, and bluffing your way to the top spot leading up to the televised WPT Borgata Poker Open Championship. Featuring a $3 million guaranteed prize pool. Qualify online at BorgataPoker.com. Available in New Jersey only. For tournament details and live streamed events, visit the Borgata.com. Must be 21 or older. Gamble problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're listening to the House of Cards. Let's play. Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. Uh, We have in the past had a number of people coming on and talking about games that are known as house games or table games. And we have a guest now who is going to do that. His name is Brent Weiss. He is a game inventor, and I think a lot of our listeners think, geez, you know, we have home games, and I often think, why don't we play this in a casino? And I'd like to talk to Brent about how he invented this particular game, what it's like, and what the process is for getting a great idea for a game to become a game that is adopted by a casino or casino. So without any further ado, uh, first of all, Brent, are you there? I am here, Ashley, and thank you guys for having me. So, Tell our listeners a little bit about your background. How is it you became a game inventor? Sure, no problem. It's actually kind of funny. My background is actually a little bit different than most game developers out there today, as I actually did not start with a gaming background. Now, I actually grew up playing the game 31 that my game is actually based off of with my friends growing up. And like you said, not all games are based on poker and so forth. Now, after spending some time in casinos, maybe even a little too much time growing up, I looked around and never saw anything on the floor that resembled the game 31 that I had grown up to love. Well, let me just so, stop you right there. First of all, I have, I've played a lot of games. I've mm-hmm. never heard of 31. Where did you grow up? I actually grew up in Long Island, New York. That's where I grew up. I grew up in Nassau County, Hempstead, Hicksville, and Westbury. I'm from Belmore, so we're actually close to being neighbors. And 31 was a game you played with your friends or your family or where? Primarily, I grew up playing with my friends in junior high school and high school. And did you? is this a gambling game, 31, like blackjack, or was it just played for fun or what? It's all, it was a gambling game that we played. It's played very similar to any sort of... Uh, any sort of poker game, almost like a go fish per se, where the way the game is is that a group of players like myself and my friends would sit around the table. Each player would receive three cards, and then the top card of the deck would get flipped over, and then the game would begin. Players would then draw cards off the top of the deck, and the object of the game is to combine the point values of suited cards to get a hand worth as close to 31 points as possible. And then when somebody achieves a hand they think is good enough, that player would then knock, and then players would expose their hands, and whoever had the highest hand of the table would win, and whoever had the lowest hand of the table would receive one out. Well, Brent, that game is nothing like Go Fish. That game is a combination (laughs) of Blackjack and Gin Rummy, but it's nothing like Go Fish. No, that is true. I just like explaining it that way to explain that the home game is that players would continue to draw until somebody would actually get the cards that they're looking for until they get a suitable hand that they were comfortable with. I see. Okay. And tell us about how you turned that or why you turned that or how you even thought to turn that into a potential money-making opportunity of developing a casino game. Well, of course. Again, Based on what I said earlier, I had been in casinos for a decent amount of time in my life, and I'd never seen this game turned into a table game before. Now, as you were asking earlier, the process with creating games is a rather extensive and very thorough one. But basically, when I had walked around and never seen this game on the floor, and me and my friends being a large group of people playing this game, it didn't occur to me why this type of game could not work. So then, of course, I needed to kind of take off and run with that, you know, that idea and figure out how to turn it into an actual casino table game. And what did you so, do? What did you do to figure that? I mean, so you were not a game developer. What did you do for a living when you decided to turn this into a casino game? 
Well, actually, I had just graduated college for my undergrad, and like like you had just said, I had no gaming experience, so I had to pretty much learn from the ground floor on how to create table games. So what I had done is I basically, just like any other person would do, I started researching online to see what goes into developing table games, and then I learned about, you know, the basic things such as house edge and hit rate and optimal strategy and so forth, and then started piecing together the very beginning stages of my game and tried to turn into a viable product. Now, even when you come up with a game, you know, it can be a great, great in theory, but obviously we need to make it fun enough for people where they would actually enjoy playing the game. So what I had done after doing some of this online investigation is I started doing the very raw math. Of course, I am not an actuary or a gaming mathematician, so my numbers were originally very raw, and of course, I had to make sure that these numbers were appropriate. So basically what I had done is I put together the basic game and then had my family play it. And some of my friends that grew up playing the game with me and said, hey, I have this great idea that I thought in my mind. Do you like this game and do you think it's something that would work? Now, the original game 31 is just, there's, there's no bonuses or any bonus suits in the game. And after the preliminary math that I had done, I realized that without any sort of bonus system, the game numbers did not seem attractive in terms of payouts for players and so on and so forth. So what I had then done is I created this new money suit jackpot system, which then created the ability to make very lucrative payouts for players, which is specifically what people are looking for with the carnival game. I see. So you modified the game to make it more appealing to players, but in the process you also retained the house advantage that allows the casino to make money on this because you're not doing this as a philanthropic gesture, how to enrich players, but you want something that would attract them to the game. Exactly. And now when it comes to the math, though, what I've actually learned over the years from a lot of people within the business that, you know, house edge is a wonderful thing, but there's also a very delicate balance between things like the house edge and then the hit rate on the game. And some games out there today, and what I mean by this hit rate, Ted, is that if a player is playing a game that has a very, very low hit rate, but it has a very low house edge, players aren't going to like the game because they're never going to win. A good way to explain this to people is the, we call it the penny slot effect, where players like playing the penny slot machines because they tend to win often, even though they tend to not win very significant amounts. But the sheer aspect of winning constantly gives those players a very fun aspect of playing the game and makes them enjoy it more so than some of the older slot machines. I see. So did you get any partnership with uh, actuaries and people that could tailor it to do both of those things at the same time, have a high hit rate, have a uh, house edge that made it profitable and attractive to the casino, but also had large enough prizes to make it exciting to the player? I had actually gotten pretty lucky where I had done a lot of uh, marketing via things like gaming forums and so forth, and in that process, I had actually been introduced by many, I would call them non-professional gaming mathematicians that do certain things in their free time that they enjoy doing. And I luckily had, I wouldn't say paired up with somebody, but found somebody who was willing to help. And what he had done for me is he created spreadsheets for me where I could pretty much just mess around and implant certain payouts to see what the house edge would be, see what the hit rate would be, and then you basically just work with those numbers until you tailor it to the way that you feel is the, the best and most appropriate way, for, way it should be for play, and then, of course, then you have to put it in action and then see if people enjoy it. And you've got to keep it simple enough so that somebody's not intimidated by more rules and payout tables and things than they can absorb in a, you know, a one... Exactly. I, I want, in fact, here's a question I have. How much time do they figure is the optimal amount of time for a player to get how to play the game? Well, that's a great question, and that's always one of the most important things to ask a game developer. The standard answer to that question within the business is that you need to be able to explain a brand-new game to somebody that has absolutely no idea what the game is within 30 seconds. If you can't do so, then you're going to be talking to this person, they'll be forgetting everything that you had told them within the minute, and there's no chance that person would have any idea of what's going on. And then when it comes to gameplay, a player should have a full understanding of the game within the first three hands of when they sit down at the table. Okay. Any longer is going to create confusion, and of course a lot of uh, negatives come from that. So Brent Weiss, who's a table game inventor, I'm going to give you the test, the 30-second test. Okay. I don't know anything about this game. I'm a new potential player. I'm a poker player. I never play mm -hmm. table games. What is, how do I play this game? Okay. So Money Suit 31 is a very simple new game. 
The game is essentially a three-card game where the object is to combine the point values of multiple suited cards to get a hand worth 17 points or higher. Now, the only little nuance to the game is that because it's called Money Suit 31, every hand a bonus slash money suit is going to be determined, and if you develop your hand of that suit, you'll get paid more than the other three suits. And it's as simple as that. Oh, great. You did that in 26 seconds. Very good. So have you sold the game? Is it now being leased out to any casinos? Is there any place where I can find it? Right now, unfortunately, in the U.S., we don't have any placements. We had actually had two former placements with the original version of the game. And as I had told you earlier, I started this when I was a little bit younger and rather inexperienced. So we had used those two initial trials to tailor the game, mess around with the math and so forth, and, uh, and change the procedures to make them more simple. Originally in the game, the first version, we had a family pot attached to it, like a game called Flop Poker, if you're familiar. But on paper, it's a wonderful thought, but in practice, it creates a, kind of a procedural nightmare where the dealers, it slows down the game. Dealers then have to figure out all these different things. And then we decided to, mid-trial, we decided to change that family pot out and put a standard side wager on the game. This made procedures super quick, super clean, and got rid of any confusion with that family pot that had existed beforehand. So where did you exist when you did exist? When we existed, we first started out in a very tiny, small Indian tribal casino in Southern California called the Augustine Casino out in Coachella. We then we changed the game slightly, and we actually had just come off the floor recently up to the Great Eagle Casino in Calgary, Alberta. And that's the trial where we actually had changed the rules in the, in the midst of the actual trial, which is something that will pretty much destroy player retention. But after discussing it with the casino management and myself and some associates, we all came to the conclusion that it was 100% the right decision to make the changes. So we just used the duration of that trial as a, a platform just to test the new procedures and then kind of decided now we have to get this game into somewhere else. So where are you looking to put it? Well, right now we have some pretty strong leads, actually, in a, in a few jurisdictions. Specifically, we have very strong contacts up in Ontario, Canada, specifically in the Niagara Falls area. We also have a very strong lead in Pennsylvania, in Louisiana, and we're also trying to get the game into Nevada, of course, as that's the ideal location. Well, I wish you well with that. And uh, in the meantime, I'm just curious, Brent, it's taken you from graduating in college to now to develop a game to the point where it may be soon entering some major markets. What do you do in the meantime as a game developer? Are you, you know, selling pizza? Are you uh, working for uh, McDonald's? What do you do to, to earn a living while you're trying to get this thing cooking? Well, it's kind of a funny question because actually I'm doing the complete opposite of earning a living, which I know actually Doug and Dan might appreciate it. I'm actually about to graduate this May from law school down in South Florida. <laughs> I see. Yeah, so I've been doing all this simultaneously, which, you know, creates a bit of anxiety. But it's uh, been a process, and with this gaming experience, I might also then get into the gaming law aspects of everything as well. Well, Brent, uh, inventor of Money Suit 31, I wish you well. And when you actually get cooking and you have some games out there that people are playing, come back on and we can talk about how successful you are and how you're a multimillionaire and how you don't even need to be a lawyer. Yeah, that would be a fantastic thing. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Ashley. Listeners, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Exciting things are happening at GoldenNuggetCasino.com. They already have the largest selection of online slots in the Garden State, and now, players on GoldenNuggetCasino.com can play their favorite table games with the very first statewide online live dealers in the U.S. Golden Nuggets Live Dealer creates a true casino floor experience online. All of the dealers have their own unique personalities talking to you as they deal the cards. Live Dealer is broadcast live from an exclusive studio at the Golden Nugget Atlantic City and streamed directly to you, the player, on your smartphone or your laptop. And as long as you're within the New Jersey limits, you can play from wherever you happen to be or on the go. Play Blackjack, Roulette, Baccarat. All these are available seven days a week from 5 p.m. to 1 a.m. live in real time on New Jersey's most innovative online gaming site. Get started today at GoldenNuggetCasino.com and take part in the newest and most unique online gaming experience a casino can offer. Golden Nuggets Online Live Dealer. Truly the next evolution of online gaming. Must be 21 years or older. New Jersey only. Problem gambler. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you do just about anything for it? 
Well, that's exactly how we feel about you. That's right. AdamandEve.com wants you so bad. We're giving you 10 free gifts with your first order. You heard me right. That's 10 free gifts to spice up your love life. First, you'll get a sexy surprise for her. Second, an adventurous toy for him. And third, a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus, you'll get six full-length adult movies on DVD. And number 10, free shipping on your entire order. That's 10 free gifts for you shy types who've never tried Adam and Eve before. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy, a sexy piece of lingerie, or anything you desire. Just enter offer code BABE16 at checkout and you'll get all 10 free gifts, including free shipping. That's offer code BABE16. That's B-A-B-E-16 at adamandeve.com. Make your game night the envy of all your friends and family. Play on a -a one-of-a-kind table. Play on a Pro-Caliber poker table. Pro-Caliber tables are made with the highest quality gaming suede on the market. And with their Table Builder app, customers can create a table to accommodate any game. Select one of the in-stock designs from their site or imprint your own. And now, you can get a free 600-count coin inlay chipset when you purchase a Pro-Caliber poker table. Here's how. Use offer code H-O-C-R-A-D-I-O, that's H-O-C-R-A-D-I-O, when you check out at ProCaliber.com or when ordering by phone at 24025-POKER, 24025-POKER, that's 240-257-6537. ProCaliber Poker Tables, stop playing around and get that table you've been looking for. You're listening to the House of Cards. I have three jacks and two sixes. What's that called again? A full house. What a cute name. A full house. Is that good? Yes, that means you win. (gasps) Again. Oh, God. This is almost embarrassing. What is that? Five in a row? What a lovely watch. Welcome back, listeners. This is my favorite segment when I get to chat with my producer, Dave Weishattle, who is in studio now, looking handsome as ever. Oh, thank you very much. What do we have, Dave? We have a great question from Sarah from Bradenton, Florida, who listens to us on WWPR. If you have a question for our mailbag, you can email the show at info at houseofcardsradio.com, tweet us at HOC Radio, post a question on our Facebook page, or leave a message or text on the House of Cards hotline. That's 609-474-HOCR, 609-474-4627. And if we use your question on the air, you'll receive a BorgataPoker.com baseball hat. BorgataCasino.com and BorgataPoker.com. Game online anywhere and anytime in New Jersey. She writes, recently the Riviera Casino in Las Vegas was demolished, which is sad because I remember going there in my younger days. I wanted to ask the guys, what was their favorite casino that's no longer in existence today? Uh, I I love that question. (laughs) I know the answer to this question, but my favorite casino is not really my favorite, but it's the one that I think about when that question is asked. When I was in St. Louis about 10 years ago, I visited the absolute most depressing, decrepit, horrible (laughs) casino ever to grace the planet, uh, the Presidential Casino. It was a riverboat. And it was – it had literally – Is it one of those riverboats that don't move? Yes. Okay. It's one just of those riverboats that's okay. docked <laughs> per, uh, perpetually uh, and never goes out and just kind of stays there all the time to take advantage of state law at the time that allowed casinos only on the water. So they built them on the water. And it, it was so decrepit. They had – uh, handwritten signs on about a quarter of the slot machine saying out of order. They had a poker room in this depressing dark place with a couple of light bulbs in the ceiling being out. They had a, a pathetic buffet. It was a platter 
of deli meats that had sat out for so long oh, that they my. were leaching out their salt water <laughs> solution and that they're sitting in water. Was anyone eating those? Or no, no, it was the most <laughs> repulsive thing. You just you didn't even want to see. But nobody was there to say, "Well, it's been here for a week. We better take it out." Um, so in a a, a a kind of pathetic way, that would be my favorite casino that's closed. But the grandest casino that's closed is without question the Revel. That was amazing. I, we both were there, and it's just—it's absolutely beautiful, and and it just—it's sitting empty now. It's, it's absolutely just, sitting for empty. People that have never seen it, first of all, you should go on Google and and look and for images of Revel Casino, Atlantic City. It is this monolith of black, reflecting glass, all glass, many stories, right on in the most perfect location at the north of the Strip. The only casino to have its own beach, too. There you go. And uh, it was it was an awful failure from the very beginning. Even before the beginning, they talked about how this is going to be a failure because it was so badly run, um, and it just never succeeded. And it cost billions, billions, right. billions. Oh my! Right? Do you have a favorite casino that closed? Yeah, it's sentimental for me. Growing up in Jersey, I remember the Claridge where yes. all, everyone went there. Yes. And how about in the mid '80s or late '80s was the Playboy Club? That massive that was that looked like the revel back then. You know, it was yes. all glass, standing right in the middle of the boardwalk, and uh, you know, all the waitresses were dressed like Playboy bunnies and things like that. It was typical '80s casino. Right. Well, I could go on about all the casinos in Atlanta, in uh, Las Vegas that I used to go to. Riviera was one of those places where you thought would never close because it was just the center of a yeah, Vegas. I, really, I, you think? So? I didn't see that because it had so much nostalgia when they built, to it. When they built the Mirage, okay, and then they built the Bellagio and the Venetian and the Wynn and the Cosmopolitan. And the Aria. For me, when they went through that, the writing was on the wall for all of the old line casinos. The Sands, dead. Uh, the Sahara, dead. Uh, Circus Circus, that is done. <laughs> the Riviera, forget about it. The Star, all those places. To me I got one that I loved and it just closed was the Frontier. You loved the Frontier. Quarter margarita night. Oh. Then they they had Mickey Gillies. Yes. Do that. <laughs> What's interesting to me about Las Vegas is that the first wave of casinos, the downtown casinos, have nothing. I mean, they are just the Golden Gate, mm -hmm. uh, the Four Queens. How do those places stay open when the Riviera dies, the Sands dies, the Circus Circus is dying, all those places are dead? How does downtown do it? Because, I mean... <laughs> Yeah. But they do. They get those tourists that focus on downtown amaze me. I mean, I know Binion's has a special place in May Hart, although it's it's changed a lot. But the rest of that area, just I'm surprised they haven't just totally knocked it down and put up uh, high-rise condos. Thank you for joining us. Until next week, good luck and good day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>